is really refreshing as we start into worship hearing that. So ladies, thank you so much for leading us in worship. Um, and Abby, I know you're not feeling super well today, so thanks for grinding that out for us this morning. But uh, as we continue in worship this morning through the proclamation of God's word, uh, if you want to go ahead and be finding your place in Philippians chapter 1, uh, we'll be in verses 3 through 6 in our time together this morning. Philippians 1 three through six. Uh, we're, we're taking a step-by-step journey through the book of Philippians, uh, and we've entitled this study of the book of Philippians, To Live is Christ, because we get to see that the church in Philippi truly lived every single day as alive to Christ and dead to their sins. So uh, we want to study this as the Branch Church Milledgeville because we want to take what we learn here as step-by-step in just a journey that it will take us the course of nine months to get through this book, but we believe, I see some faces when I say nine months, everybody's like, whoa, that's a long time. Uh, But trust me, it's gonna be one of the most beautiful things that you ever go through if you've never walked through God's word this way as the body, uh, that we get to see it and savor it and then live it out. So uh, something that we want to start doing here as we gather as a church on Sunday mornings is celebrating what the Lord has done through community all throughout the week. So if you guys are here with us last week, you saw that we launched missional communities. Uh, how many of you guys are already part of a missional community? Just show of hands. Whew. That's stinking awesome. Like, how awesome were missional communities this week, right? Like, it's just, yeah, some snaps. Is that a thing that we do now? I like that. It's cool. Um, But missional communities, if you're looking for a place to plug in, to belong, a place to have someone hold you accountable to living out the gospel every single day, a missional community is for you. So uh, it's just cool that these missional communities aren't something you go to once or twice a week, but it's your family. So our Monday night missional community, they meet on Monday night to study the word, but uh, I saw on Slack. It's our social media that we keep in touch with on the church. Like, Monday night, you guys hung out at someone's house Tuesday night, watched a movie or something, right? Like, and then uh, our Wednesday night missional community went and played kickball over at Sunset Fields. So it's not just a place to go and study the Bible, but it's a family to belong in. Uh, But also something we want to celebrate is that all three missional communities, uh, just not plugging in, studying the Bible and having a community by ourselves, but they all took parts of their Saturday morning. There were people from every missional community that served yesterday morning with Habitat, uh, a lady in the community named Miss Janita, that they are building her a home. And I got to see people from each missional community come together as the church and serve the community for the sake of the gospel. And that was so encouraging to see that partnership, that it's not just just in here, but it's all throughout the week. So why we are studying Philippians is because we want to emulate that. So as we dive into Philippians, just want to give us a quick reminder of what we talked about last week, how we have to live as Christ, that we are introduced to Paul and Timothy. And Paul and Timothy told us to live as Christ starts with our identity, that if we are truly want to take what we learn in here and to live it out in Georgia College, all throughout Milledgeville, in our jobs, in our relationships, in our family, in our workplace, that it starts with our identity, that once before Christ, we were enslaved to sin, that our identity were slaves to the enemy, slave to the prince of the power of the world. But now, thanks be to God that we are now enslaved to God, that we are enslaved to righteousness, and that slavery, but then now freedom to slavery is not a false dichotomy, it's not an inconsistency, but what it truly is, one of the most beautiful things that we could see. Why it's the most beautiful thing is because we were once enslaved to an enemy that was making us go and doing things in direct opposite 
uh, of the will of the Lord. But now that the Lord has saved us, he has changed that will in us. And we're, it's not, a, I have to do these things anymore like service. It's I get to do these things because the Lord loves me and he saved me and he sent Jesus. He is sending us and we get to. So that's where we were. Um, so this morning, if you've already found your place there in Philippians, we're going to dive in and see how that identity then plays into what we're talking about this morning. So uh, I don't know if Bailey knew this or not, like uh, Philippians 1, 3 through 6 is actually what he opened with this morning. So if you heard what he said, like, man, just that could be the sermon. It was, it was so good. So if you just need like a microcosm of it, like I, he didn't plan that at all. We didn't. But it's so cool. That's exactly what we're talking about. Um, so that identity, then it frees us up as now slaves and children to God in a righteous sense to have a joyful thankfulness to God for partnership in the gospel. I'll say that again if you're writing that down. What we're talking about this morning and these three verses is because of our identity in Christ that we can now be joyfully thankful to God for partnership in the gospel. So don't let that just be me saying that this morning. Let's read the text and see what God has to say himself. We'll pray and we'll dive in. Starting in verse three. I thank my God in all of my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So Father, thank you. Thank you for molding us together as your church that we can come in this morning surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ, that we can worship you, that we're here this morning to celebrate what you have done for us in the person and work of Jesus on the cross. But this morning we ask for your spirit to be here to bring clarity, to lead us into truth, to show us what you've asked us to do, and that's to live on mission together with a gospel partnership. So where your word will weigh heavy on us this morning, I pray that we would be receptive to it. The areas that you show us that we're falling short in that, would you encourage us this morning? Would you be here and would you be glorified in this time? It's in your name we pray. Amen. So it's important as we're talking about this gospel partnership to understand the context. So if you weren't here last week, just a little bit of catch up, that this letter is really a thank you letter written by Paul and Timothy back to a church that they planted in Philippi. That this letter is some 10 years later that they are writing, and if you haven't read the account, Acts 16 has the account of how this church was started. They're writing back saying thank you for being a partner in the gospel with us that Paul is literally in stocks, in chains, in prison as he's writing this letter saying how grateful he is for this church, how grateful he is for their partnership. So they would send letters back and forth. They would send leaders like Epaphroditus to him to encourage him. And as Paul just wrote this letter, it's really he's thanking them for a financial gift that they just sent. So that's the context of this gospel partnership that we're writing into. And into that gospel partnership, the apostle Paul says this in verse three. I thank my God in all of my remembrance of you. So the Apostle Paul starts by thanking God for people. He, it's a very personal thank you. It's, I'm thanking God for you. 
So there's a really smart theologian, I think Tristan will throw the quote up on the screen, uh, Kent Hughes uh, says this, Paul rarely thanked God for things, but thanked God for people. We see that all of the things that the church in Philippi did that sent to him were great, but Paul's primary thanks was for people. And so as I was studying this this week, I can't help but think, so scriptures here, uh, this is me over here, this may be conjecture. So scripture is the only authority that we have to stand on this, but I'm thinking, as we've planted this church, if I'm writing back to you some 10 years later, what I'm thinking about are individuals. So I'm thinking about people. So if I'm writing this letter back, I'm gonna be thinking about the times that I had with our core team in here renovating this space, that this place was just empty, ceiling tiles falling out. I'm gonna be thinking of the guys singing Veggie Tales in that back bathroom painting. Like, I'm gonna be thinking about individuals. I'm gonna be thinking about the love and the joy that I've had in these relationships. And that's what the Apostle Paul is writing back into saying, that he is thanking God for these individuals. So the Apostle Paul does this all throughout scripture, and most of the churches that he plants, as he writes back in his introductions, he says the same thing. So I think we have a couple verses here that we see that the Apostle Paul does this. So we'll throw the first one up here on the screen for, uh, yeah, Colossians. So the church in Colossae, Colossians 1.3, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. So next verse. 1 Thessalonians 1-2, we give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. I think we got one more. Ephesians 1-16, through we do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. You see how personal every one of these letters are that the Apostle Paul writes. So as we're thinking about this, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we notice what Paul is doing? Is this mostly about the people or is this about God? So if you may have not noticed, you may have picked up that Paul, the Apostle Paul in every one of those verses in our context here, ultimately his thanks is not terminating on the people. His thanks, his gratitude, his remembrance is terminating on God. That's why we see him say, I thank my God and all of my remembrance of you. So if you have a relationship in this room this morning with someone that encourages you, someone that's a brother or sister in Christ, someone you know you can go to, someone, a shoulder that you can just lean on, someone that you can just be encouraged by. My question is, are those relationships mostly about you? Or is it about them? Are you truly thanking God for them? Because I know in my own heart this week, the Lord just wrecked me in this showing that I'm often selfish in my mentality with those relationships that we say things in cultural Christianity today like, you're such a godsend. But ultimately that godsend is like, it's, it's about me, you're a godsend to me. That you're my guardian angel, whatever that means, like that it's ultimately about me. So the question I'm asking this morning is, when you have that relationship, are you looking to add value to that person and thank God for that person, or are you looking for them to do for you? Are you trying to add value and meaning to their life and thanking God for them? Or is it about what they do for you? And I think a lot of us, if we're honest, seek to only maintain true gospel partnership relationships with people that make us feel good or add value to us and not invest in other people. 
So some of us in the room may fall in that selfish mentality, but some of us in this room are absolutely servants. We talked about this in missional communities this week, that if you are a servant of someone else that's in this gospel partnership, that you guys are living on mission together, that it's gonna cost you something to love someone well. To love someone well is ultimately gonna cost you time, maybe energy, effort, it's ultimately gonna cost you that. And while it is good to be a servant of other people, ultimately, like we said, Paul's thanks doesn't even terminate or end. The goal is not to thank those people, it's not to be selfish, but it is to thank God. And why is this? As I'm thinking about these relationships that I have, if I were the Apostle Paul writing back, why am I thankful to God for these relationships? Ultimately, it stems back from what we talked about as our identity, that we are fallen and broken and we don't deserve the grace of God and that these relationships that God gives us ultimately are not for ourselves, for our own gain, for our own encouragement, but they are ultimately given by God, for God, for his glory, that we would serve together and be encouraged and that our thankfulness for these relationships relationships would then lead us to a worship of Jesus Christ because it is unmerited grace that he's even given us those. So I think about this all the time about what type of relationships I think I don't deserve. Uh, And a silly illustration comes to mind. You've probably heard all the time, like, be the person that your dog thinks you are. Have you heard that? Like, I know that that dog loves me regardless, and like, I am not a, you know, I don't, I don't love him well. That's even a dog, but how much more so someone that I am a brother and sister in Christ with. So if we think about that, that we really don't deserve this love that the Lord gives us, it's unmerited in these relationships, and we can't take them for granted because we ultimately, in our sin before Christ, don't even deserve them, and we know this today, that some of us still feel the pangs of being enslaved to sin, that we still are oftentimes living in strife and dissension and rivalry Galatians 5.20 would describe who we are. I don't think I've gave you that verse, Tristan, but if you guys have uh, something to write with, jot down that verse, because that is the Apostle Paul talking about who we are in our sin before Christ. That our relationships exist in a strife, in contention, in rivalry, in dissension. So if you are in Christ this morning, uh, you may still feel the stings of that. And my encouragement to you is to not let your thankfulness terminate on yourself or even on that other person. If you're looking for true thankfulness, that only comes when you're thanking God for those relationships. Everything else hollows out and shallows out our relationships unless it's rooted in Christ and God first. So as we continue, the Apostle Paul is saying, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. So the question we have to ask ourselves this morning, if the ultimate goal to live as Christ in a joyful thankfulness is our goal, how do we then thank God? So if at the goal of these relationships that God has given us, the next question we should be asking ourselves is, how do I properly thank God for these relationships? Um, I can't remember the guy's name, it's just coming to mind now. Uh, I think it, it may be C.S. Lewis, he's talking about how couples, they love each other, but that love is truly never expressed unless it's spoken. So for us, for God, in this room this morning, if we want to thank him, it's truly never fully realized and comes to fruition unless we go to him and tell him that. That's why the Apostle Paul, I don't know if you noticed in each one of those verses that we put up there and even here, the Apostle Paul is saying, I thank my God for you in every prayer of mine. 
So how we thank God properly for these relationships that we have is through prayer. So the Apostle Paul says this in verse four, after saying, I thank my God in all my remembrance. He thanks him always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. You notice all that language that Paul kind of sticks in there. It almost seems like really, really wordy, but he's intentionally saying always in every prayer for you all. He's saying in every time I'm thinking of these people, I'm thinking of these relationships. So for us as we're sitting in here this morning, as we're thanking God for those people, is it constantly overflowing in our hearts of this thankfulness? Uh, and the only way I think I can truly describe what this genuine prayer looks like, um, I see my wife smiling now, she knows exactly where I'm going. Every time I talk about genuine prayer, I think she did a great job of reminding me. Uh, so as missional communities launched this week, this is our fifth missional community I've been a part of in the past four years, and uh, I, I love it, and it's so exciting, but I'm always reminded back to, so we'll have something called hang nights where we'll teach like we did this last week, and one night we'll just hang out, do a meal together, and spend some time. Uh, but there were these two little girls that were in our missional community in Delanago. There was a, a single mom, and she had two little girls, Bella and Emma. I think one was two, and one was four, or maybe five. And every time before we were go to go to eat, uh, we'd ask them if they wanted to pray. And they loved praying uh, because they know I would give them candy at the end of the night if they prayed. <laughs> so I can bribe children, I promise you that. So, um, but they would come over, and they would pray. And the prayer of children is so sweet. If you haven't been around and you haven't seen it, uh, they aren't anxious in their prayers. They're thanking God primarily for people, right? So when kids pray, these little girls were praying, thank you, God, for mommy. Thank you, God, for Mr. Caleb. Thank you for Mr. Kyle. And they said, Mrs. Kyle, instead of Miss Jen, my wife. <laughs> Mrs. Kyle, and then they would say, and thank you for Mr. Kyle. I think it's just because they know they're trying to butter me up and give me, get me to give them more candy. Um, but the genuineness of that prayer is they were thanking God for people, not for things. They're not worried about this anxiety of what they can get, of what they need. They're thanking God for those relationships that they have. I think God, as we are remembering him and we're joyfully thankful for these relationships, it's important that we take a, a note from those kids that if we truly have these people in our life, that it's only by the grace of God that we have these relationships because who we are, we know in the core of our essence that we don't really deserve these relationships because of our sin that had separated us, but because of God that now he looks at us as sons and daughters, that we are now the beloved of the Father, that we can go to our Father in prayer. That's why the Apostle Paul encourages this all throughout Scripture. I think 1 Thessalonians 5.17 uh, would say this, pray without ceasing. So Paul is cha challenging the church in Thessalonica to constantly be praying, to going before the Father. Uh, we got another verse here that Paul says, I think to Timothy, 1 Timothy 2.1, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Uh, Philippians 4.6, yeah, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be, known, be made known to God. You see that in all of this, God is encouraging us to go before him for these relationships of all people, the people that he's put in our life for a very specific reason. Why, why do we pray and thank God? Doesn't he already know everything that's going on in our hearts and our minds? 
Why do we then stop and take the time to go to God with prayer? Why did we intentionally, uh, fam, on Thursday night, sit in this room and spend time in prayer, a whole night dedicated to it? Does it change God? No, he's, he's never changing. It changes us. So when we pray to God, and specifically in thanksgiving for the relationships that the Lord has given us, I believe deeply that it changes us. So if you notice that we're making the prayer with joy. Bailey and I talked about this, sitting in that back row there, I think it was last week. Um, I was honestly going through a difficult time of not feeling joy. There's nothing going wrong. My bride is amazing. The church is doing great. I mean, everything that you would think would cause and bring about joy in my life was going fine, but yet I was still not feeling joy. And I had a brother in the Lord that was able to sit there as a gospel partner to encourage me, to remind me that the joy of the Lord is my strength. So what we talked about, again, this could be conjecture um, about that word joy and this thankfulness that we've been talking about this morning in these relationships of gospel partnership. So the conjecture comes in is, we believe that those outside of the body of Christ, just we just because God is love, we, we would say that maybe they don't experience love to its fullest and its grandest levels of depths and riches uh, because they haven't experienced God. So we kind of wonder in our hearts whether or not that those outside of the body of Christ can truly experience the depths of thankfulness and the depths of joy that we get to experience inside the body of Christ because they haven't tasted and seen that the Lord is good because for us, in the room this morning that the gospel partnerships the Lord has given us together, uh, why that ultimately comes to a level of joy is because it's not up to us. Does that make sense? That what the Lord is doing in us, in our partnership, in our relationship together, has nothing to do with us sustaining it, has nothing to do with us even maintaining it, that the Lord has saved us out of our sin, that he has started this process for us. And if we're looking for true joy, it's only found at the foot of the cross of what Christ has done for us. And anything else that we try to put in the place of God is simply an idol. Anything else, any relationship, even if it's a gospel relationship, if it's a, a work, if it's job, anything else that we try to fill our hearts with for joy besides God is an idol. And for us as the body of Christ, why it's so beautiful that we get to partner and why Paul is so thankful for this body of Christ and we're alluding to here is because ultimately he knows something that gives him sure confidence. Ultimately he knows that verse five says this, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So this partnership in the gospel that we're talking about, this assurity, I don't want to skim over this. We've been alluding to this as we've been going through this entire morning about partnership. The Apostle Paul knows something about this partnership that we'll come back to here in just a minute, but let's press into this partnership in the gospel. So when, we, when I'm saying this word partnership in the gospel, maybe a good illustration is something for you to be thinking of is uh, soldiers on the battlefield. So you guys have all heard the word camaraderie, right? 
So you know what I mean when I say camaraderie, that, that these guys are together and that they would do anything for each other. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with what happens at Georgia Military College right down the road, uh, seeing that the, uh, the drills that they run together. I know at the University of North Georgia, where we just came from, you would see soldiers and cadets all day long running around the drill field. They would be doing drills. You would see this together. You'd see them out in the community eating meals together, hanging out. So this idea of the f- partnership in the gospel, think of soldiers and camaraderie. But when we talk about soldiers and camaraderie, what we're talking about, what binds them together is not that they're just together all the time. It's not that they just you know, have to go to basic training and they have to do a thousand push-ups together. Like I couldn't even do one. So I mean, at the end of the day, what's binding these guys together is more than just that fellowship, but it's a common mission that these guys are going and training and they're willing to lay down their life for one another because they have an end goal that is common. So for us in the body of Christ, while we have got to relish and be so thankful to God in these gospel partnerships is because of that same reason, that we have brothers and sisters in this room that as we are called to carry the gospel, like Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, to carry the gospel, to go and make disciples. The encouraging thing about this, why the Apostle Paul has confidence that we'll get into here in just a moment, why it's important for us is because not only do we have fellowship where we can come in here on a Sunday, drink coffee, laugh, get to know someone, and say, how's your week going? But the beauty of it is that we have a joint mission, that we are called to share the gospel, that we are called to do what Christ did for us, for someone else, that we are called to go, that this Sunday morning is not the church, that we as individuals are the church. So this building that we're sitting in right now, less than two months ago, like I said, was just empty and vacant. There's nothing special about this place, that the Spirit of the God of the Lord is with us as we come in here. But as soon as we leave and this place is empty, the Spirit of the Lord is with us as we go and we live on mission. That if you were to take us out of this building, this place ceases to be the church, that you are the church 24-7, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, that we are ambassadors for Christ. We've been given a ministry of reconciliation, and the beautiful part of this is that we don't go out and do this alone. This is never up to us by ourselves. The Lord has given us a community to go and do this with. That's why when I talk about partnership in the gospel, that it's truly a partnership, that you need one is just as much as you need the other. So when we say that we're partners with Habitat, there's truly like we go and serve them and they come and serve us constantly. You see even these platforms that we didn't have last week, Morale, the uh, chairman, the guy that runs Habitat, came in on a Saturday, should be his off day, and helped us build these platforms, and we were there Saturday morning with them. It's truly a partnership, that we have this partnership with each other in this room this morning as well, to go and live out the gospel. So that seems encouraging, right? That seems great. So we've got people that got our back. We can join a missional community, we can join a DNA, and people hold us accountable to doing this. But the truth of the matter is, if it were to end there, we will fail. If we put all of our source of strength, if we put all of our weight in of ourselves, we're gonna white knuckle and burn out. But even if we put it all in each other, we're all sinful, we're all broken, we all fall short 
I'm not gonna lie, I woke up on Saturday morning and said, I better not miss kickoff for the Georgia game. Instead of wanting to be, this is a pastor's confession, like I see a couple of faces, like it's okay, I sin too, it happens, like it, all the time, ask my wife. Um, but the beautiful part of this partnership in the gospel is not up to us. This is that confidence we're talking about with Apostle Paul. So track with me here, if you will, verse six. And I'm sure of this, he's sure of this partnership of the gospel is gonna be successful. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And he who began, this is Christ, this is Jesus, that while we were dead in our trespasses and sin, that God opened our heart to see the beauty of the gospel. That God has given us the faith to believe and to see that although we were in dead rebellion and trespasses, trespasses going directly against God, that he started this work. So when we talk about work, we've got to understand that this work has nothing to do with works-based salvation, has nothing to do with, there's good things, even like service projects that we can do that will save us. But this is also alluding to partly salvation, but a greater thing, because yeah, we have to ask the question, so let's, let's ask some really good questions of this text. It's saying, and I'm sure of this, that he who began, so a key word there, began a good work in you, will bring it to completion. So is salvation a process that can begin and then has to be in limbo until Christ completes it? No, we know for sure that in the moment that God opens our heart, that salvation has occurred. What we're talking about here is a big theological word, don't let it scare you, sanctification, becoming more and more and more like Christ. So Charles Spurgeon has, uh, Charles Spurgeon has a great quote on this that I think will reveal a little bit what we're talking about here. So when we're talking about this began a good work and it'll bring it to completion, this is what he says. But while the work of Christ for us is perfect, and it were presumption to think of adding to it, the work of the Holy Spirit in us is not perfect. It is continually carried on from day to day and will need to be continued throughout the whole of our lives. So this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about here when he says that he will bring it to completion, that although Christ has saved us when he's opened our heart, he's making us more and more and more like him. And how that crucible of sanctification becoming more and more like him is done is by being in a room like this with fellow believers, that the crucible for our sanctification is the local church. And I'm not talking about a college ministry. I'm not talking about anything else. I'm not talking about a Bible study. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about gray hair. I'm talking about college students. I'm talking about children. I'm talking about every ethnicity that exists in Dahlonega, that if we are truly to be the church, to live as Christ, like Philippi did, that we have got to be taking the gospel to any and everyone in this community to bring them in, because all of us need to be shaped and molded, and it takes all of us to be shaped and molded. So if we're just hanging out with a bunch of our college friends, we're always gonna be like college friends. We need each other in this. But like we said, if it were to terminate there, if it were to end there on just each other, mission is never going to happen, right? That our source and our strength to get by is through Christ and Christ alone. That if we truly want to carry this mission, that we have got to be solely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. That's why the Great Commission ends with the encouragement, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So for us in gospel partnership this morning, the question we have to ask ourselves 
first and foremost is, do we have anyone that we're truly partnering with for the gospel? Is there someone the Lord has put in my life? Is there someone that the Lord is asking me to go to to encourage them, to equip them when they need prayer, when they need someone to hold them accountable to being in the word? Is there that person, is there that relationship? But even more so than that, that's individual level, on a collective level, if we are the body of Christ, we're talking about the church. Are you plugged in to the church? And I'm not talking about Sunday mornings. Because as soon as we walk out of here, this place ceases to be the church. Are you plugged into someone that has the right to speak into your life 24-7? Because you're carrying this gospel with you into your workplace, into your jobs, into your families whenever you leave here. So if you don't have that body of believers, your first step this morning is just to hear our plea that we want to be that for you. I can think of nothing better, count it a joy, and I'm not just saying that, um, as we're talking about the context of joy and thankfulness, I would thank God that he would allow me to be in your life. And I know as our team of other missional community leaders, Bailey and Tyler and Jonathan and Madeline, the whole group would count it a joy to partner with you to see the gospel go and leave and change Milledgeville. If we truly want to see the gospel change this community, if we want to see this room explode with the multiple people of coming in that we see out on campus, if we want them to come in and come into our lives, come into our, our rhythms of life, into when we eat and when we play and we work and we rest in everything and share our lives with them, that is the only way the gospel is going to explode. I don't know about you guys, if, if you've grown up in the church and you sat here and you feel just this angst in your heart that the church is not actually living up to what it's supposed to be doing, that you read scripture and you see the church in Acts 2 live together and had all things in common and were breaking bread and the Lord added to their number daily. I don't know about you, but the reason that we're here is because we long to see that happen in Milledgeville. We long to see that happen in Baldwin County. We long to see you guys and come up here and share wind stories on Sunday mornings about how the Lord used you and your missional community to reach the lost in and around you, that how you were, the, I can't tell you of story after story this week of how I'm already encouraged of seeing this, the first fruits of this happening, of sitting down with men and women and Blackbird and Chick-fil-A all throughout this week and hearing stories of how they've already plugged into community and how the Lord is showing them for the first time what it means to live on mission, what it means to be a servant. That I had guys sit across the table from me and say, I've never shared that sin with anyone in my entire life. And for me to encourage them and say that happens daily in missional community as you live as a community. So if you don't have that, our plea, man, there on the connection table on the way on the on the way out, just write down your name and your email. We'd love just to talk to you if you have any questions of what that looks like. But if you're longing to see your faith be lived out, man, that's the way to do it if you're longing to not just come to church and sit here and feel like you're a bystander watching me talk about something or watching other people talk about something, but if you're ready to get in the game and you're ready to be equipped to do this, man, we want you to join in with what the Lord's doing. And if you don't have that in this room this morning, if you can't say that I already have that, like some of our folks in the missional community can, 
Uh, the first question, uh, like we said, would be either to plug in, but if you're not yet a member of the body of Christ, our, our question to you is, is this alive? Is this, is this tugging on your heart of when you maybe think about Christianity, it becomes about being entertained or coming into a place and just talking about something? if that's what it's been, but this is feeling alive in your heart for maybe the first time of seeing that, okay, if this is what Christianity is actually about, about what, not what I do for God, but what God did for me, and out of light of that, I can then serve and love. Man, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to just sit across a table for you, buy you a cup of coffee, whether whatever side of the aisle you're on, just to pour out our hearts and say, man, we long to partner in the gospel with you to live every day as Christ in a joyful thankfulness that can only be sustained in what Christ first did for us. So every week we end in the same way. We end by taking communion as the body of Christ. So this week as, as we take communion, it's our prayer that, uh, that this would just not be another symbol for you, just another week of where you sit here and listen to the message of the word and it not weigh on you, that it not actually change your heart. So as we started talking about this this morning, that true thankfulness to God begins by thanking him and going to him in prayer. Man, that's true of the relationships around you, but that's also true of communion this morning. So as we pray, uh, if you need more time to sit and dwell and just think about what Christ has done for you so that we birth true thankfulness in your heart for those symbols you're taking, it's our encouragement that you would just take as much time as you need. That if God is telling you that there's someone you need to talk to, a brother and sister in Christ, that maybe when we talked about rivalry and dissension in your heart, um, because scripture is clear in 1 Corinthians that if you have that in your heart against a brother and sister in Christ, that communion until you reconcile is considered a curse to you. So you would take this time to reconcile. And that if you're not yet a member of the body of Christ, that those symbols that we take out of remembrance and thanksgiving, uh, they don't quite yet mean anything to you because they don't apply. So we'd ask that you would uh, allow us to take this as a family and that you would use this time to contemplate uh, what you have to be thankful to God for. And that may be first and foremost for you of wrestling and grappling with this idea of grace. So we'll pray, communion will be open, and the girls will come back and continue in worship for us. Jesus, thank you for this encouragement this morning um, that we can have true joy only because of you that when we think about gospel partnerships, about the people you've put in our life, would we not be flippant? Would we not be apathetic? Because God, we're, n we're not promised tomorrow. God, I can't even imagine what the Apostle Paul must be feeling as he's writing this letter back to this church of a 10-year partnership of men and women must have been thinking about faces like Lydia and Clement and Epaphroditus. I imagine if I were to write a letter back to, to this church, how I would be feeling. 
So God, would you press on our hearts this morning to take the first step of plugging into a gospel partnership, or if we even have one right now, to truly thank them for investing in us, but more than that, to not let that thankfulness terminate on ourselves or them, but to thank you, because God, you give us everything we need. And a lot of times when we feel like you're far and distant and there's just a dry season of no joy or thankfulness, that God, you send these men and women into our lives to encourage us. So Father, as we take communion this morning, would we remember when all thankfulness, the reason we can have true joy and thankfulness in these relationships is that you first sent your son, your body broken on the cross and your blood poured out for us. Would we remember with glad hearts and joy and in turn leave here knowing that we can accomplish this mission because you began it and you will complete it. You will build your church. You just allow us to play and come alongside. So Lord, we love you, but thank you for loving us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So communion is open. Respond as the Spirit leads.
You 